Good morning. Today is Wednesday, January 13th, 2021. Today is the first of a two-part series, so I hope to continue this tomorrow. Tonight and tomorrow, of course, is Rosh Chodesh Shvat, the beginning of the new Jewish month of Shvat. And so what I want to discuss has to do with Rosh Chodesh, but also a wider view, not only within our Parsha, but a wider view of the book of Shemos and the narrative of Exodus in general. The Ramban, Nachmanides, has a short introduction to each of the five books of the Torah, and they're very, very important. They discuss the overall theme and goal of each of the five books. And in the Ramban's introduction to the book of Shmos, Exodus, the second book of the Torah, the Ramban says that this book is the model of Jewish history from Golus exile, persecution, to Geula, redemption. Now, that is the structure and the content of this book of the Torah. And we saw this theme in a particularly poignant manner at the end of last week's Parsha, the Parsha of Shemos. So remember, God had finally convinced Moshe to go back to Egypt, to begin the process of leading the Jewish people out of Egypt. And God had told Moshe, go to Paro and say, let my people go and to serve God. And Moshe went to Paro. Paro said, <laughs> he was not impressed. Paro said, who is this God that you're telling me I should listen to him? And um, Paro says, uh, the only reason you're complaining is because you're lazy. You don't have enough work. So Paro actually gave them more work. Instead of not only having a quota of bricks to make, the Jewish people now had to actually find the raw materials, the straw in order to make the bricks. And the work on the Jewish people, the pressure on the Jewish people became worse. And the Jewish people complained to Moshe and Aaron. They said, what are you doing? <laughs> you tell us you've come here to make things better. You actually have made things much, much worse. And of course, Moshe was very, very discouraged. By Yosha Moshe el Hashem, by Omar, Moshe returned to God and he said, Hashem, lama hariyosa, lama zeh, lama zeh Why are you making it worse for the Jewish people? Why have you sent me? The whole purpose of sending me is to make it better, but in fact, I've only succeeded in making it worse. Why have you done this? From the time that I started speaking on your behalf, which you insisted that I do, God, it's made it worse for my people. And I have not even begun to save your people. Now, the last Pasuk in last week's Parsha. God says to Moshe, Now you will see what I am going to do with Paro. He will be forced to let them go. And not only that, but he will be forced to drive them out of his land. Now you'll see. What's going on? 
This is not just a literary tool for increasing the drama and the suspense. It does that. But what the Ramban is pointing out is this is the theme of the entire book of Exodus and the model of all of Jewish history over and over and over again. It gets worse before it gets better. It doesn't, Jewish history does not go in an upward line. Thank God it does not go in a downward line. It goes up and it goes down. It goes up and it goes down. Why is that the pattern? Why doesn't it just, you know, like other areas of life, why doesn't Jewish history follow uh, other areas where, you know, uh, technology gradually increases over time? Why doesn't Jewish history work like that? And this historical pattern is so important that the Torah inculcates it into our daily lives in many, many ways. One of the most important ways and one of the most noticeable ways is that we follow the lunar calendar. Why do we follow the cycles of the moon and not just the cycle of the sun? Well, we say this in the prayer that we recite called Kiddush Lavana, sanctifying the new month. V'lalvana Amar, shetischaresh ateres tiferes lamusi beten, shehein asidim liischaresh kamosa. The moon has a cycle. It gets smaller and smaller and smaller and it disappears. And then it starts a new cycle where it grows and grows and grows and becomes full. And that cycle is intended to be the model for how Jewish history unfolds. Our lives follow the pattern of the moon. We follow this lunar calendar because we are supposed to have an ongoing daily reminder that not only is this the way that we mark time, this is the way that our lives unfold. This is the way that our history unfolds. And in fact, notice in next week's Parsha, the Parsha Bo, this mitzvah that we follow the uh, a lunar cycle is the first mitzvah that is commanded to the entire Jewish people. That's in next week's parsha. This is the mitzvah by which we arrange our lives through time. So why is it like that? Why does God choose that pattern? Not only for Exodus, but for our lives. So let me share with you very briefly, and this really, really deserves a much more full treatment, but very, very briefly. Let's discuss one of the greatest figures in all of Jewish learning and Jewish life, Rabbi Yitzchak Luria, known to us as the Arizal, the greatest scholar of Kabbalah, Jewish mysticism in the last 2000 years. His family was originally from Spain. They were expelled in 1492, the Spanish expulsion. 
He lived in Tzfat. You can still go to visit his shul in Tzfat. He died at the age of 38. And as I said, he is the most important teacher of Kabbalah, Jewish mysticism, in the last 2,000 years. He grappled with the greatest issue of his day, the expulsion of the Jews from Spain. For that generation, that catastrophe was on a level with the Hurban, the destruction of the temple. An entire Jewish civilization uprooted and persecuted. And he grappled with why did it happen? How did it happen? Now the traditional response, which, is, which was put forth by many, which quotes a famous line in our prayers, because of our sins, we were exiled from our land. Spanish Jewry at the time was more acculturated than other Jewish communities. And therefore, it was because of the sins of the people at that time that God punished them with expulsion and exile. That's a very problematic approach. It's very important to discuss and deal with that approach. I've discussed it before. We'll leave that for another time, but it is highly problematic. The Arizal gave a bold, new, and daring answer to this question, which has a new approach, a new view of, I'm not exaggerating, every single aspect of life. And he starts by asking the following question. Let's go back to the beginning. Beratius, creation. How could God possibly create the world if God is already everywhere? We say about God, God's glory fills the entire world. Well, if God's glory fills the entire world, then how is there room for the creation of a physical world and human beings? Where is the space for it to exist? Says the Arizal, and he bases this on earlier sources, but he is one of the first to really express this in a cohesive worldview. He says that God utilized a characteristic that he refers to as midas hatzimtzum, the characteristic of contraction, of pulling back. God, so to speak, had to exile himself, had to pull himself back in order to make space in which he could then create the world. Listen to a completely new way that the Arizal understands the first Pasuk in the Torah. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. And the earth was void and chaos, emptiness and chaos. The Arizal reads it as follows. There are two different tenses going on. But first, First, 
everything was chaos. It was empty. That is, God had to pull himself back. God is not chaos. Where God is, it's not empty. Where God is, there's no confusion and chaos. First, God had to pull himself back, allowing for a vacuum of tohu vavo, chaos and emptiness. And then in that space that God had created by withdrawing himself, so to speak, in that space, God created heaven and earth. In other words, chaos and exile, withdrawal, is the first step of creation and the first step of redemption. And because that is an aspect of God's nature, so to speak, it's something we understand about how God, so to speak, works and acts. And our highest goal in life is to try to imitate God. Therefore, God established this principle as a pattern of Jewish life that we understand that our lives and our history unfold through a process of Tzimtzum, Gullus, then Geula redemption, then Tzimtzum, retraction, and then redemption. That is established by God as the pattern of Jewish history. It's established by God as a pattern in many other areas of life and dimensions of life. We'll leave that for another time to, to cover more fully. And so we don't miss it so that we always bump up against it. God built that pattern into our daily lives in many, many ways, but one of which, the one I'm focusing on today, is the way we mark time. You can't get more basic than that. Our calendar follows this lunar cycle so that every moment of our lives, we will be aware that this is how God created the world. This is how we ourselves will progress through history. And this is how we as individuals will live our lives through this pattern of Tzimtzum pulling back, redemption coming forward, exile, ingathering, failure, success not on a direct incline, but back and forth, back and forth. Now, this does not mean to suggest that exile is not bitter. And it does not mean to suggest that darkness is worth it because it leads to light. This is not about reward and punishment. It's about the process of life. And it means that crisis and chaos contain the seeds of peace and reconciliation. Mitzrayim, the experience, terrible experience in Egypt, had the seeds that grew into receiving the Torah at Sinai, building a Mishkan where we're able to meet God, being able to enter the land of Israel. The, the expulsion from Spain led to 
flourishing of Jewish life in Israel and in Eastern Europe. And there are many, many other examples in our national lives, in our history, and in our individual lives. Zecher li'itzias mitzrayim. How many times do we say that phrase, we do a mitzvah or we have an action or some aspect of life as a remembrance of the exodus from Egypt? Why is it such a major part of our lives as Jews showing up in all kinds of places, not just Pesach, but in all kinds of mitzvahs that you would not expect it. So many mitzvahs because it connects us to this pattern of God's characteristic of creation. And it gives us a way to view the world, a way to view history, and a way to view the events in our own lives. And that is the significance of observing Rosh Chodesh, the beginning of the new Jewish month, the beginning of the new lunar cycle. Tonight and tomorrow is Rosh Chodesh Shvat, the beginning of the new month of Shvat, the beginning of a new lunar cycle. Right now, even if it was dark, the moon would be invisible. But starting tonight, approximately, you'll start to see the smallest sliver and then it will get bigger and bigger and bigger. But it's going to get smaller and it's going to disappear. But don't worry, because when it disappears, it won't be permanent. It will actually be the preparation for the next period of growth. That's the significance of Rosh Chodesh. So that's the first half of what I want to share with you, which will lead us to the second half that I plan to share tomorrow morning. My friends, I wish you a great day. I look forward to seeing all of you soon in person.